Amen. So good to see all of you this morning. Trust you had a wonderful Thanksgiving with family and friends. We turn your attention this morning to the book of Luke chapter 17. And we begin reading in verse 11. Luke chapter 17 and verse 11. And it came to pass that as he was, as he went to Jerusalem, this course referring to Jesus, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. Another translation says a foreigner. A Samaritan stranger, the foreigner, suffice it to say, he was an outsider. I'd like to speak this morning on this subject, the gift of an outsider, the gift of an outsider. And you may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. The context of this encounter places Jesus in a region that is neither Galilee nor Samaria. It is in between. It's neither inside nor outside Jewish territory. It is the borderlands, a place of frequent hostility, disputes, uprisings, strong national passions and prejudices. Jesus is headed to Jerusalem to the impending violence of the cross. He knows what is coming. He has done much work up in the Galilee area. Now he is approaching his destiny. But to do so, once again, as he had earlier in his ministry, he decides to go through Samaria rather than around it. Samaria is that region that is so controversial. Samaritans were partially Jewish and partially Gentiles. And the Jews looked down on them. The majority would not even walk through their territory, but rather around it. The Samaritans felt and observed this disdain. So the relationship between the Samaritans and the Jews at the time of Jesus was conflicted and often violent. Centuries before this, they had been one people. 
but changes and tensions wrought by exile and return put them at odds regarding beliefs about Scripture, beliefs about worship, beliefs about what it means to be holy, and several other matters. Suffice it to say, this region was avoided by most, but not Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm glad the Lord didn't avoid us when we had all kind of problems. We had a lot of mess in our life, and we had scars and disappointments and shortcomings and inferiority complexes and all the issues of humanity. Where others may have walked around, God walked to us. Found us where we were. Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad you serve a God, hallelujah, that's not afraid to go into those areas that everybody else avoids and says, I am the Son of God. I can help you. I can make you whole. I'm not afraid to be in the middle of your mess. A history of hostility between the Samaritans and the Jews may explain why James and John suggested firebombing a Samaritan village in Luke chapter 9. Yeah, it's in your Bible. After the village refuses to serve as the first rest stop on Jesus' journey to Jerusalem, James and John says, let's just call fire down from heaven. We pick up the narrative in verse 54. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? But he returned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit ye are of, for the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. That, to me, is a statement that we should put back in our memory in the 21st century. The gospel is not meant to destroy people's lives. It is meant to save people's lives. The house of God is meant to be a salvation station. It's meant to be a lighthouse that shines in a dark place. The gospel is good news. We understand there's consequences to sin. We understand there's judgment. We know there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. But I'm thankful today to tell you the good news that Jesus Christ can make you whole. That Jesus Christ can put lives back together, homes back together, marriages back together. I'm glad that Jesus Christ, hallelujah, is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just as he was then. This is the will of God. It's not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And so Jesus rebuked them. And in any case, regardless of the climate, the culture that they were in, despite potential danger, and even without asking about their loyalties, their heritage, or their intentions, Jesus heals all ten lepers, including at least one that was a Samaritan. It was not the first time that he had worked with Samaritans. And it was not the first time that he had healed people stricken with the disease of leprosy. A disease that slowly destroyed the appendages and eventually your life. A disease that was highly contagious. 
Many times when people were struck with leprosy, they had to be separated from their families and their homes. They, they had to leave their communities. They had to sit outside the village or sit down on the wayside or they had to be outside of the walls of the city. And then if they had to go into town, they had to shout as they walked, unclean, 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 just in case the garments that they were wearing covered up the obvious uh, uh, mutations of the skin, they they had to shout it so that it would be a sounding cry. Others could walk around. They had to get used to people avoiding them and walking way away from them because of their disease of leprosy. It was it was so contagious. And yet, when we look in the scripture, we know that the disease of leprosy oftentimes illustrates the erosive nature of sin on a human soul. Sin will do to the soul what indeed leprosy does to the skin. It slowly will deteriorate. But I'm glad that Jesus Christ, hallelujah, is a God that can not only heal you of your physical impairments, uh, He's a God that can heal the condition of your soul. He's a God that can take care of the sin issue. He is the mighty God in Christ. Oh, hallelujah. And it, it, it combined... A couple of important aspects of the ministry of Jesus as we study this story. Uh, number one, we, we see a principle that is played out throughout all of Scripture, and that is that the power of Jesus was not limited to just Jewish insiders. I said the power of Jesus was not limited to just Jewish insiders. Number two, his power was not limited to just the healing of the body. And at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus extends his mission beyond the boundaries of the homeland. He reminds the assembly as he stands up to speak at the synagogue in Nazareth where he was raised. He says, and I quote, There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Luke four twenty seven. He stands up and declares that there were many lepers that were not healed. In other words, apparently, you guys didn't have all the answers. There was only one that was healed, and it was Naaman. He was captain of the guard of Syria. Oh, in response to this uh, observation by Jesus in the synagogue, reading the Old Testament account of Naaman, they are so upset with him that they seek to throw Jesus over a cliff his hometown. They try to take him and throw him over a cliff and he just passes through their midst because it can be difficult to accept the welcoming ways of God. That God doesn't judge like we judge. That God reaches for people even in spite of their mistakes. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that he does. I said, I'm glad that he does. Maybe all of you were born holy speaking in tongues, but I needed a God. That could reach for an outsider. In fact, I'll go ahead and just say it here since everybody's looking so sanctimonious. I'll just go ahead and declare it. Everybody in this room is an outsider. You don't deserve the blessings of God. I don't deserve the blessings of God. 
We were not born as covenant Jews. We were not born as Jews in our nationality. We were born, hallelujah, as Paul describes in the book of Romans, as a wild olive branch that was grafted in. But we became the spiritual covenant seekers and contract abiders of a God, hallelujah, that reached beyond the borders of even his own original mission and found us where we were. Oh, somebody in this place ought to be glad. He found you where you were. The scriptures that Jesus was reading in Luke 4 while in the synagogue in Nazareth were from 2 Kings chapter 5. And it told the story of Naaman the leper from Syria. And it's interesting when you compare these stories, the stories of Naaman the Syrian captain of the guard that was healed of his leprosy in the Old Testament, and then, of course, the Samaritan that we're reading about and studying this morning, who's healed by Jesus in the New Testament. Both of these stories share some common details. Of course, there's the fact that both refer to Samaria and both concern healing from leprosy, naming the Syrian and, of course, the Samaritan. They're both foreigners, both outsiders to the people of God. Naaman is even commander of an army that was the opposing army. It would be like Putin coming to Palm Bay and the Lord reaching out and saving him and healing him and delivering him. I mean, the rest of us would say, don't you know who he is, God? Naaman is captain of the army that opposes Israel. But even so, God heals each of them from their leprosy. Despite their their enemy slash outsider status. And here's what's even more amazing. He heals both of them before they pledge any allegiance to God. Think about the mercy and the goodness of God. He heals them before they pledge any allegiance to God. Both are healed from afar. You know, we read the passage of the Samaritans. It was obvious that the Lord healed them from afar. The Bible even talks about it because, you know, they have that disease. They're contagious and they would walk way around. And the Lord just, go and show yourself to the priest. Naaman, he made a long journey into a land that was not his homeland to go see the prophet Elisha. And Elisha doesn't even come to the door. He just sends his servant. Tell him to go dip sometimes in the Jordan River. Both are healed from afar. Nobody even puts their hand on their head and prays the prayer of faith. They're both healed from afar. Oh, I just want to pause for a moment and and just bring to your remembrance that Jesus Christ is a God that begins to work on us even where we're far off. Oh, hallelujah. I, I love that. I've preached it a number of times. But I love that the Bible says when the Holy Ghost was given in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, repent and be baptized everyone in the name of Jesus Christ for remission and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The very next verse, for this promise is unto you and your children and to them that are afar off. How many of you were afar off? But I'm glad the promise is to those that are afar off. You say, oh, not me, pastor. I was close. No, you weren't. 
You weren't close in time. You weren't close geographically. It was 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. Nobody there was close. It was as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. But he found us where we were. He found us in the midst of our mess. Hallelujah. And he showed mercy. And he said, I'll forgive you. Hallelujah. I'll make you whole. I'll cleanse you. I'll deliver you. What a good God we serve. It ought to be easy to give thanks to God today. He has done so much. He has been so good. Oh, hallelujah. Both returned to the source of their healing. <laughs> and both are sent along their way with a command to go. So let's unpack that for just a moment. You got a couple of minutes? Beautiful. If we compare the healing of the leprosy of Naaman in the Old Testament, the healing of the leprosy of the Samaritan in the New Testament, here's one of the things that we see. They both required obedience. They both required obedience. Now, I know I was talking to a group of young people here a few months ago, and uh, we were talking about different things and aspects of the Word of God. And uh, we were talking about the obedience that Scripture requires when we approach God. And and one of them said, obedience is an old-fashioned word. Did you guys know that obedience is an old-fashioned word? That revealed something to me about this generation. Obedience is a biblical word. Obedience. Oh, we don't want to obey anymore. Well, guess what? You got to obey if you want the favor of God in your life. Naaman had to dip in the Jordan River seven times before he would be healed. He had to obey. And when he said, I don't think I have to obey, obedience is an old-fashioned word. And got up in his chair and was headed back home. Guess what? He had a servant come up and said, if they'd have told you to do something difficult, you know, like go and conquer a city, you would have done it. Why not do something easy? Dip in the Jordan River. Sometimes we think it's hard. It's not hard. Just obey the Word of God. It's really easy. Just repent of your sins. You don't even have to bring an oxen. You don't even have to bring a, 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 a lamb. All you got to do is just lift your hands and say, Lord, I need your help. I've tried to do it on my own. I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. Heal my soul. I give my life to you. But you have to obey before you can get to first base on God's promise and God's plan for your life. And then, of course, the ten lepers that included this Samaritan that we're talking about, they had to go show themselves to the priest before they would be healed. But in either case, the healing was not automatic. It required obedience on the part of the recipient. We mentioned earlier that leprosy is an example of sin in Scripture. But let me just remind you today that you can't get to salvation without obedience. I said you can't get to salvation without obedience. And obedience may be an old-fashioned word for many, but it's still what triggers the supernatural from God. You can't be spiritual without obedience. You can't obtain the favor of God without obedience. You can't be blessed without obedience. Until Naaman went down in the river seven times, he would not be healed. He had to complete the task. If he'd only done five times, he wouldn't be healed. If he only did six times, he wouldn't be healed. He had to do seven times before he'd be healed. Now, here's what's interesting. The lepers were healed on their way. But Naaman was healed after 
there was total obedience. So the question is, why? Why did one have to complete the assignment while the others were healed on their way? Well, maybe we can just speculate about this today. And you could say, well, maybe Naaman had to complete it because Naaman wasn't going to do it at all. So the Lord wanted to make sure he was going to complete the assignment before he healed him. Maybe that's a possibility, but that's really not the nature of God. Here's what I think was happening. I believe that the Lord was giving these 10 Samaritans an opportunity to return and give thanks. Let me say something to you. God will always give you an opportunity to worship him. It may be in church, it may be in your home, it may be in your car, it may be at Walmart. But God will always give you an opportunity to worship. You may decide not to, you may decide not to say thanks, but God's going to always give you an opportunity to say thanks. I say take the opportunity and say thank you, Lord. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for your blessing. I thank you that you've kept my family. I'm thankful that your hand is upon my marriage. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for a thousand things. It doesn't matter how much money you got in the bank. It don't matter how many degrees you've got. It don't matter how long you've been in church. What matters is, can you give him thanks? Can you say thank you, Lord? God's going to give you a chance to say thank you. And let me tell you something. He holds every one of your breath in his hand. You can have everything going for you and have a massive heart attack in the next 30 minutes. Every breath is a gift from God. I said every breath is a gift from God. We are all dealing with the frailty of the flesh. It is an arrogant individual who somehow thinks that he is somehow making God somehow humbled by your lack of faith in him. We think sometimes, well, I'm not going to praise God. Who does he think he is? Well, he created you. Well, I don't know if I believe in God. He's God with or without your belief. How arrogant of a nation. To think that God is affected somehow in a negative way about whether or not we believe in Him. Whether or not we have prayer in the school. Whether or not we pass or don't pass abortion. Let me tell you something. God and the moral laws of His Word are established with or without a nation. With or without you. With or without me. He's God all by Himself. But when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all He's done for me... My soul cries out, Hallelujah! Thank God for saving me. Woo! Hallelujah! Oh! If these ten lepers went to go to the priest, by the time they got to the priest, wherever that was, Jesus went on his way, they went on their way. They may not have had an opportunity. To give him praise. So as soon as they started on the path of obedience, they started looking around. The skin is different. Ooh. And nine of them said, we better go ahead and go to the priest. But one of them said, I can't wait. <laughs> I won't go ahead and stop and give him praise now. 
He started worshiping God. The Bible said before he ever got to him, he lifted up his voice and he began to give praise to God. He didn't wait till it was all over. He didn't follow his buddies. Peer pressure may have told him to just keep on going through. Go ahead and make your way to the priest. But oh no, the Lord said, I'm going to go ahead and heal him now. Because I want to give him an opportunity to worship. I'm going to give him an opportunity to praise. I'm going to tell you what, sometimes God does things in your life. You know it was God. Don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. Go ahead and give him praise now. The miracle may not be finished. It may be a progressive miracle. But if he's done anything at all, praise him for that. And there'll be more to follow. If he's done anything, go ahead and thank him for it now. And there'll be more to come. The second thing that we see is both Naaman and the Samaritan returned. They both returned. They returned to the source of their healing. I believe in the 21st century we have too much drive-by thinking in our requests for divine intervention. People want God to do a great work. They're more concerned about Him doing a quick work. We're busy, busy people. We got things to do. We got busy schedules. God, we need you to do it now. God don't work according to your calendar. He don't work according to your timepiece. He's God. I hate to keep reminding them. Maybe somebody here needs to hear this. He's God. I said, He's God. You're not God. He's God. He's not serving you. We're serving Him. Lord, I need you to do it right now. I don't have time. We barely even want to pause in the house of God. Can you shorten the service down a little bit? Because I'm busy. I got busy. I got busy, busy. I got things to do. I got people to see. I got places to go. We're waiting dinner and this and that. But We were trying to plan our, our Christmas services because, you know, this year Christmas is on Sunday and New Year's Day is a Sunday. And we were trying to plan when to have church. And uh, we were saying, well, we can do it in the morning. No, kids got to open Christmas present. Well, we can do it in the afternoon. No, we can do it in the afternoon. People got to go to dinner. What we do it at night? People go to the friend's house. People we got no time to have church anymore. We got too many holidays. A bunch of my buddies that are pastoring churches, they're not even having church on Sunday. They just cancel it because it's Christmas. Isn't Christmas about Christ? Maybe I'm just old-fashioned. I don't know. The last I checked, Christ isn't Christmas. If we're so busy, we don't have time for God. We're too busy. We got to stop and go back and say, Lord, I thank you. You've been so good to me, Lord. I wouldn't even have gifts to give if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't even have a family if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't even be alive if it wasn't for you. Oh, we need to return back to the source of life. If God gave you life, return back to Him. If God made you, return back to Him. If God saved you, return back to Him. God healed you, return to Him. God delivered you, return. Return, return. When these outsiders returned, what did they do? They gave thanks, that's what they did. I said they gave thanks. They returned and they gave thanks. Luke makes it clear 
that return and praise go together. Not just in this case with the Samaritans, but at Jesus' birth that we read about in Luke 2, it says the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. After witnessing Jesus' ascension in the last two verses of this same gospel, Luke, the disciples, the Bible says, worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Return and praise. It literally framed this gospel. Luke had some insight that return and praise is the roadmap for what God is wanting to do. It's a roadmap for our response to God's activity in our world. Luke is giving us a guidance system. What do you do? Return and praise. People say, why do you Pentecostals go to church so much? You just went this past week. You just went this day. You just went, you just went. Why do you go so much? Because we're returning to give praise. I've been going to church since I was 10 days old. I just turned 59. But every time I come back into the house of God, I'm returning to say thanks. I said, this outsider is returning to say thanks. Once again, I'm coming to the house of the Lord to say, God, you've been good. (laughs) Oh, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your blessing. I'm returning. Here I am again, God. I've come to lift up my hands and say, thank you, Lord. You've been so good to me. You have blessed me. I just want to say thank you, Lord. Is there anybody in this house that just wants to return and say thank you, Lord, one more time? Thank you, Lord, one more time. Thank you, Jesus. If it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? Return. Return and give praise. Return and give praise. Mm. Return. Return. Here I am, God. I'm returning to say thank you. I'm returning once again to praise you. I'm returning once again to offer up a sacrifice of praise. We're returning one more time, God, to your house. To say thanks. In verse 19, he says unto them, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. This seems to be a common theme, not just with Naaman and the Samaritan, but with many of the people who were touched by the ministry of Jesus. Get up and go. Get up and go. Luke is the writer of both Acts and Luke, as we mentioned, and then it appears in both Luke and Acts that this phrase, get up and go, is a commonality when Jesus touches someone. But it's more than just a command. It suggests that a significant change is about to occur. After the Annunciation, for example, Mary gets up and goes to Elizabeth, Luke chapter 1. 
the prodigal son decides to get up and go back to the father, Luke chapter 15. And God tells Paul to get up and go to Damascus, Acts 22 and Acts 9. The command to get up and go comes with a promise to the Samaritan. Your faith hath made you whole. That word whole literally means saved. It was more than just him being healed of his leprosy. There was a gift that came with the return. Every time you return, there's a gift that comes with the return. Because he's the one that can make you whole. A doctor may be able to prescribe medicine and help your body recover because the body was designed, guess who by? The creator. To heal itself. So many times medicine just isolates interfering aspects so that the body can heal itself. People can help you. People that are trained, we're thankful for professionals that go through the discipline of studying and they be, they, they're a help to humanity. But only Jesus can make you whole. When I say whole, I'm talking about he can make you whole physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. Every aspect of these complicated humans, uh, God can make you whole Woo, hallelujah. There used to be a big gap, maybe because of something that happened in your childhood, maybe because of a relationship that failed, maybe there was some gap, but Jesus Christ made you whole. There's no man, there's no woman that can make you whole. Only Jesus Christ can make you whole. Oh, thank you, Lord. I just want to stop and say thank you, Lord. Thank you for making me whole. Thank you for helping me, Lord, when I didn't even know I needed help. This command to go, go, it comes with a promise, with an expectation. Go. When we started this go ministry six years ago, it was with the promise that God would honor our action. We based it on Matthew 29. Verse 17 says, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. There's always going to be some that doubt. There's always going to be a few and say, I don't know about that. But when they saw him, they worshiped him. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. What's the name of the Father? Baptizing them in the name of the Son. What's the name of the Son? Baptizing them in the name of the Holy Ghost. What's the name of the Holy Ghost? So when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, you fulfill in Acts 2.38 and Matthew 29.17. All of it is being baptized in the name of Jesus. Teaching them to observe all things. Teaching them to observe all things. Whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo! I'm glad that the low goes with the go. (laughs) You do the go and he does the low. (laughs) Low, I'm with you always. 
Oh, my friend, there's a promise that comes with the go. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. I'm thankful, Lord, that I obeyed and you made me whole. I'm thankful, Lord, for the opportunity to return to the house of God, to return to your presence and to say thank you. But now I know you're telling me to go and I'm going to go. I'm going to go in faithfulness. I'm going to go in discipleship. I'm going to go and be a witness. I'm going to go by my giving. I'm going to go. But there's a promise that comes with the go. He's going to be with us always, even unto the end of the world. Oh, I feel like God would be telling somebody here in this place today, don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Lo, I'm with you always. We return again and again. We return to prayer. We return to commitment, consecration. We go in obedience to the word of God. We go and evangelize the world. We go through our giving. We're reaching the world through our giving. We're starting churches in North America through our giving. We're reaching the next generation through our giving. We are evangelizing our communities through our giving. We're feeding the hungry through our giving. We're providing for widows and orphans through our giving. He said, go into all the world. Go into all the world. Go into all the world. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a mandate. Go. He said, you'll be witnesses of me in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. That's our Palm Bay community. You'll be witnesses of me in Judea. That's our region. That's North America. You'll be witnesses of me in Samaria. That's our ministry, the outsiders. People that are in assisted living facilities. People that are in prisons. People that are in children's homes. Teenagers with unwanted pregnancies. Young men that are troubled and trying to get back on track. So they go to a place in Louisiana that we sponsor. That I'm on the board of called the Louisiana Lighthouse Ranch for Boys. I've been there with them. I've sat and eaten with those young men. They're dealing with pain. They're dealing with anger. They're dealing many times with even getting in a conflict with the law. But there's a group of people that will love them. And there's churches like Eastwind that will help sponsor to pay so young men can get back on track. You know why? Because we got to go into Samaria. We got to go where other people will not go. The uttermost part of the earth. That's countries that we may never visit, but we go. We go with our giving. We go because it's how we give thanks. We say thank you. Thank you, Lord. The gift of an outsider. Thank you, Lord. I don't deserve your blessings. But I'm returning to give you the gift of worship. Every one of us, every single one of us should return and give thanks. Thank you, Lord. We return to worship. We go with our giving. We obey through the word. The promise that through Jesus, God empowers people to step across boundaries to share mercy with outsiders, pay attention to things worthy of praise, and to move forward into God's future with an assurance that He will be with us always. That's what God does for the simple gift of an outsider. Would you stand to your feet? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. By a show of hands this morning, I just want to ask you this question. How many of you can raise your hand and say, indeed, that you are an outsider? Would you just raise your hand? Look at all those hands. 
every single, well, no, maybe 90% of us recognize that we're outsiders. I'm going to ask you another question. How many of you outsiders are willing to return and give God a gift this morning? Would you raise your hand? Look at those hands. Not quite 90%. It may have dropped down to 85%. Or maybe some people are just tired of voting. I don't know. But I think we can all agree. On this Sunday after Thanksgiving. He's worthy of us to return one more time and say thanks. One more time. Thank you, Lord. Next Sunday, Brother Bruce Howard, missions director, is going to be here. We're going to receive commitments at the end of that service for our giving to our GO program next year, 2023. Those of you that are new to this church, every year we receive commitments at the end of the year of what we will give to our GO ministry. Through our GO ministry, we've been able to expand the footprint of ministry at East Wind exponentially over the last six years. It's been amazing to see what God would do in people's lives as they step down in faith. So we don't take any special offerings through the year. We just give one time to go. And we commit. Next Sunday will be our commitment Sunday. And we'll start these monthly or weekly or whatever your schedule provides for in 2023. But today, what I feel in my spirit, those of you that raised your hands, those of you that said I'm an outsider, those of you that said I'm worthy or he's worthy of my gift to give him praise one more time I want to invite you to come forward this would be your go this morning to just step down toward the altar this is you returning one more time to an altar say I've already been there pastor I've been to the altar many times I know I have too But we're just returning one more time to say thanks. And the singers are going to sing, but here's what I feel in my my spirit. I just pressed down. Oh, people are coming from all over. Thank you so much for responding. You are good. You're so good. That's beautiful. Just keep coming. If you can't get all the way to the altar, just kind of get out in the aisle. you just to lift up your hands before you lift up your voice I wonder if you just lift up your heart to God would you do that just lift up your heart and now from the overflow of your heart just put voice behind it right now. Would you just say thanks one more time? Thank you, Lord. You made me whole. I'm not perfect. I'm still a work in progress, but I say thank you, Lord. I say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So good, Lord.
Your goodness, your goodness. 